Hello and welcome to the Deja Review podcast where a group of film lovers get together to discuss a cult or a classic film that one or more of them has just watched for the very first time. I'm Mike Cairns, over there is Seb Sebas Godfrey hey. and Alex Lamchop Heath. <laughs> and we are dipping once again into, a, he doesn't like me calling it, but the golden age of Godfrey. Uh, Why is where... it called the golden age of Godfrey? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've that? ever heard that rationalised. Well, Either. It's called Age of Cinema, oh, and yeah. it's films that you you know because uh, you sort of more were more focused on the seventies and eighties, <laughs> yeah. And you didn't I, see a I bunch wanted of the to old see, ones, like films with uh, women with three boobs and yeah. and you know things but like that. I'm, yeah, honestly, so, I'm sure Hitchcock would have enjoyed making a movie about women yeah. with three boobs, but yeah. never got there. Totally. Um, but uh, but so. <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah, I, all I want to do is make a sting about the, the golden age of Godfrey. <laughs> um, but uh, so we uh, watched uh, Vertigo, yeah. 1958's Hitchcock. U2 album. Yes. Um, and Seb had not seen I this had not. film. Um, what's your general Hitchcock uh, knowledge vibe? <laughs> Bit of a personal um, question. You put a lot of emphasis on cock then, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. I uh, appreciated it. Yep. Uh, well, my, once well, when you were twelve years old. <laughs> yeah. My um my my connection to this film would purely be through the amazing poster. I've seen. Mm. I mean, everyone knows this poster. It's one of the most iconic posters of all time. Hitchcock in general. Um, I've seen a few of the. I mean, this is a big Hitchcock, but I've never seen this. I've seen Psycho, North by Northwest, um, Rear Window, Rope. Not this. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know why I hadn't seen this, but like I went through a few years ago, went through a bit of a, um, didn't watch them all, just watched a few, you know, fill in the blanks. It's hard to watch them all. Yeah. There's a fair few. He's made like 50 films spanning six decades. Not all of them are winners either, let's face it. No, no. No, not not being shady, but yeah. 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 No, no. But I mean, I, 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 I knew this was about someone who didn't like being on top of high things. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it, I mean, I did obviously having watched it, I was like, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was slower than other Hitchcock films. It certainly is. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was good, but maybe a bit overrated, but then I started researching mm-hmm. and I started reading and, and looking into it further. And it was only then that I realized how, how amazing it actually is. Like the subtext and the thought that had gone into every frame and every shot, every, uh, the color theory, the dreamlike feel of it, the whole, the color blocking, the, the way they do the costuming and the oh, thought yeah. that had gone into it mm. immediately made me want to go back and watch it again. Right. Having sat through it the first time and going, oh, yeah, it's a cool little twist and little, yeah, it was kind of cool, little romantic little thing. And some some of the um, technically. Romantic in air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But you do, if you, hopefully, if you have seen it and, and and are listening to this because I don't know why you're listening to this and didn't like the film, but if you listen to this, hopefully we'll explain why you should watch it again. Alex? Yeah, so I think everybody's probably gone through a bit of a Hitchcock period at some point <laughs> if, they're, if you're at all interested in film, and I definitely had that. Uh, I, I think I only watched Vertigo once and I definitely think the first half is kind of a drag. Um, it's Absolutely. just, just yeah. I mean, there's only so much time you want to spend watching Jimmy Stewart driving a car and sort of squinting 
quizzically, but... Uh, that scene goes for two minutes. Why is she turning that way? That two, uh, like two whole minutes, that yeah, scene that, yeah. you, that you're talking well, I'm about. Not, not even, but there's multiple, like here. Yeah, there's a lot of anyway, time. Yeah, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into that, but um, I remembered the, the, tw- I remembered the twist, which I, honestly I think is pretty damn corny. Um, well, it is now, maybe because it's, it has been, it's not, you know, people try and emulate Hitchcock quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the, one of the first people to, yeah, yeah he's the twist guy. That's yeah. what he's all about. But, I mean, it was based on a novel, so, yeah. again. But he changed the ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. But um, I think, yeah, it wasn't, I, I did really like it and I was. I thought it was, like, technically really impressive. There's just some beautiful photography in it. Um, the lighting, the first use the of. The lighting com- guy was working overtime. Overtime. Yeah. Absolutely overtime. Um the use of those first um, com- computer-generated animation, mm. um, the Soul Bass opening titles. I mean, the, as a as a graphic designer, he was a you know he, yeah. he's the one of the first people you learn about in yeah. school as far as graphic design. Yep, is is goes and, yeah. and he yeah, and he deserves every yep. every ounce of respect for that because it's amazing. Yeah, like the, his work on this is fantastic. Yep. It's stunning, and the Edith Head costumes. I'm a big fan of hers. Bernard Herrmann score. I think it's probably. I think it's my favorite of the score. Bernard Herrmann yeah. and Hitchcock okay. scores. Yep. Um, so was he a collaborator? Yeah, they think the they did through? four or five films together before they had the yep. classic Hitchcock falling out, where they where he refused to work with mm. person again, which seemed to happen with quite a lot of his collaborators. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's yeah stunningly stunning score, and yeah, there's a lot going for it. I don't know that. The film as a whole is as memorable to me as some of the other ones I was no. watching in around that time. It's like but a, stu- it's a film you'd study in school. Yes. I feel like. it's, a, yes. it's, it's very much a study film and that's yeah. why yeah. They, um, because I think it was a few years ago, Sight and Sound, which is the, mm. the UK's sort of film um, industry voting body, voted this, you know, Number because one, for right. the longest time Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane mm-hmm. was at yeah. the top and then this sort of pipped it. Yeah, um, but it was on their critics list. Yeah, exactly. So rather it's, than the director's yeah, list. Yeah. I mean, I think Citizen Kane is a much better movie than this. Um, well, what, what's your what's your connection with this? You, I know you yeah. you are you talk about the Golden Age of Godfrey, but you are uh, making your way through the black and whites. Yeah, you're going yeah. back to Look, Mike slowly I'd making seen... his way back to um, Shadow Puppets on the Wall. Oh, um, wonderful! In, some in Plato's times. Cave <laughs> yeah. kind yeah. of scenarios. Yeah, cool. He's yeah. going all the way back. Great. Yeah, I'm actually yeah, hiring um, piano players to come into the house <laughs> and play along to <laughs> silent movies, and you know, on the old tech piano. Um, I probably watched this maybe a couple of years ago, um, and because uh, I'd seen quite a few Hitchcock films. Um, uh, but um, this one again was a bit of a, um, a hole, and then I remembered, yeah. There was like anything. Anything when a poll comes out saying something is the best thing ever, there mm. is a million people who will disagree, and mm-hmm. I disagree. Um, yeah. But uh, but um, so I, I definitely checked it out. Um, I love Jimmy Stewart. I just think he's I, the best. I you was, mean in general or in this movie? In general, I think he's yeah. woefully miscast. But yeah. this he is great. Yep. But he sucks in this movie, and that's my hot take. For a movie made from 1958. He was too old for this part, Too right? old. And yep. the Technicolor makes him look even older. He's like the mm. orange shriveled prune. Yeah. A creepy old orange shriveled prune. Yeah. Yeah, the um, age thing certainly um, is 
Yeah, it's quite odd um, in this film. Well, yeah, there's a, I mean, there's quite a bit of uncomfortable stuff in this yes. film. Yes, there is. Um, and I think the age certainly helps make that um, more upsetting or uh, <laughs> towards a little the bit end. creepier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, towards the end, that whole. Yeah. Oh, the, me- the yeah. Make the over. remaking. Uh, yeah, look, I think, you know, I, I love um, that there are some some interesting bits like that. I mean, just, yeah, again, beautifully shot. That's um, yeah, it's, great it, score. Yeah, it, like it stunning. looks incredible, it's but stunning. it is, it is super like it is, it could have been a 90 minute movie quite easily and been, you know, more effective. Um, it was the, you're quite right. The just, it is very, very slow. It's like an hour of him driving around following yeah. her before we get anywhere. Yeah. And I just don't think we need that much of it. Uh, I do quite like, probably there's people who disagree with me, but I think the... How could anybody disagree with you, Unbelievable. That the reveal of the twist 40 minutes before the end of the movie Mm -hmm. really adds power to the end of the the movie. I don't know. Like, I just think that's really cool. Um, Yeah. It's really different. I think that's something that the studio and Hitchcock were kind of arguing about as well, whether they were going to have that or not. Right. Um, I think for me the just the color and the the framing and um it's just the costuming is delirious and luscious and yeah. stunning. But this was I think the fourth of five collaborations or third of four with um Jimmy Stewart and um Hitchcock. Mm. Um it made uh, rope and rear window. Yep. Um it's uh, oh and um the man who knew too much. Yeah. Um so I think they did four. Um but it's uh and doing some reading around this I it, I think it's quite interesting in the sense that Jimmy Stewart was always known as the you know, he's in like a lot of happy-go-lucky films. He's always, you know, um, wisecracking and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. And working with Hitchcock and especially this sort of is the the, the penultimate film of him uh, dirtying himself up essentially mm. um, and uh, and he was kind of pushed towards that because he wanted to do some some different things. He is a, a bit miscast in this. I think I'm probably not as down on it um, as you are, Alex. I but, know. that I do um, tend to sort of emphasize all my opinions by at least 30%. <laughs> woefully no, no, miscast. No. <laughs> no, he's not woefully miscast, um, but it, it really inhibits my ability to enjoy this film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but, uh, so the, I guess that is pretty, yeah. yeah <laughs> no, yeah. I stand by what I said. Yeah, no, please, please do. But, yeah, I think this, this film um, is uh, it's definitely interesting. There's some... Uh, some good twists and things like that. I just don't kind of what you said, Seb is obviously it's interesting to read into things about films and learn things about it after the fact mm. and it might, might want to drive you back, but it still needs to have impact on you when you're watching it, mm. you know, without that knowledge. Yeah. Um, and which uh, I think it does. It saves itself <clears throat> in the second half. Oh, the second act just is way better. Absolutely yeah. stuffed full of intrigue and excitement. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we? Obviously, there's a lot of people that that listen to this and they have no idea what this film's about. Mm-hmm. So, as as I, I didn't really know either, but um, because you hadn't seen to, it before, that's that's why actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so Scotty Ferguson, Jimmy Stewart, uh, he realizes he has a vertigo, a condition resulting in a fear of heights, which is actually well, not true. Well, he has I'll, I'll acrophobia, acrophobia, which, which is a symptom of his acrophobia. Well, yeah. Okay. Just quickly, this spawned this whole, uh, 
miscommunication, if you will, globally with people thinking it a fear of heights was called vertigo, which it is not. No, no it's not. It's Acrophobia. Arachnophobia mm. is what uh, fear of yeah, heights yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. spiders. Yeah. Spiders throwing on you. From really high. I mean, that's pretty scary. It is I, I definitely have <laughs> arachnoacrophobia. Yeah, it's spiders are afraid of heights. Yeah, so they're just floor spiders. <laughs> I love a floor spider. <laughs> floor spiders. That floor spider is actually scarier than a actually, roof spider. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, where were we? Plot. <laughs> um, so realize he has vertigo, a condition resulting in a fear of heights. False. Uh, when a police officer is killed trying to rescue him from falling off a building. Uh, Scotty then retires from his position as a private investigator only to be lured into another case by his old college friend, Gavin Esther. Esther's wife, Elster. Elster. Elster's wife. Elster's wife, Madeline, played by the wonderful Kim Novak. Mm -hmm. Novak's a great name. Mm. It is. Uh, Has been possessed by a spirit and Elster wants Scotty to follow her. He hesitantly agrees and thus begins the film's wordless wordless montage. (laughs) I can't read as Scotty follows the beautiful yet enigmatic Madeline through 1950 San Francisco. Uh, After saving her from suicide, Scotty begins to fall in love with her and she appears to feel the same way. Here, tragedy strikes and each twist in the movie's second half changes our preconceptions about the characters and events. In 1996, a new... Oh, we'll get into that. 96, getting way ahead. Yeah. But hey, that's just for people that have no idea what this film's about. Yep. It's... It's... It's not a huge plot, really. No, it's really lightweight. And right up to the point where you find out that Gavin McElster has crafted this elaborate plot to murder his wife. Yeah. Um, Who was pre-murdered. Yeah, yeah. He pre- like pre-packaged. Yeah. Like yeah, he'd, totally. he'd, he'd already... He snapped um, her neck he snapped before her he got... Neck and then and then he, he had hires, to carry her up uh, those yeah. stairs. He's probably ripped. He must be. They're all wearing those, you know, sort of blousy suits so you can't see the, you know, the... Hard chests under there, mm. um, but uh, but then he, um, uh, so he is, you know, pre-murdered, um, pre-packaged, His and wife. then um, and uh, and hires Kim Novak to. Uh, um, Basically, pretend to be his wife for Scotty, um, knowing that. Uh, and again, there's far too much explanation here, but um, but essentially, Kim Novak uh, is pretends to be the wife, and then offs herself, and Scotty falls into um, acute melancholia. Yes. Off herself. Yes, because um, uh, they just throw the dead body out of the, the bell tower that they know Scotty can't go up because he keeps looking down for some reason. I'm just like, dude, just look forward. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you be go, you get up those stairs fine. Or just put, like, little blinkers around your eyes and you, yeah, you'll be good the, as gold. the Mike Gann school of um, phobia treatment. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, no, it's just, called, it's just called, look ahead, mate. It's what called, are you talking it's about? Called, it's the, uh, <laughs> the Michael Cairns suck it up princess uh, <laughs> school of... Let the spider yeah. crawl over you. Um, but um, we're supposed to believe that... Um, Jimmy Stewart, again, this is a, another thing, um, <laughs> another one of my Piccadillys is like, he was a cop. He seems to retire and be living quite well for himself. Um, I but think I he's guess, a man of independent means apart from uh, that. Unless he got a decent old payout for oh, cause he the... he got his bunged yeah. up knee. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't work back in the How did days. they rescue him either? They didn't even get into that. I think he just hung on for... He just hung on? And then eventually they had one of those... Yeah. A uh, big, yeah. The, yeah, the like sort of trampoline, trampoline type yeah. thing. They're amazing. Catch me, catch me. <laughs> so I, having recently watched Body Double as well, mm-hmm. um, De Palma, I was just like, this is just, this is like... Yeah. 
but no, so but much. Nobody could love Hitchcock more than Brian De Palma. Oh, I know. Like yeah, yeah. Fully totally. obsessed. But it's yeah, completely. So much so that there's just the whole time I was like, this is this is just body double. Yep. But yeah, um, I did re- I did really enjoy it. I, but I probably enjoyed um, reading about it. Yeah, more well, than watching the film. What yeah. did I? What didn't I learn? Um, I learned lots. I just the the color, the color in this film plays such a, a huge part right through from the poster itself, that red, black and white poster, which is so iconic. Um, red, uh, in the film stands for obsession, love and fear mm-hmm. and which, um, Jimmy Stewart's character is often portraying and Kim Novak is often, um, uh, portrayed wearing green and mm-hmm. she's shot with green. So it's kind of this ghostly, uh, unrealistic, this, this sort of fantasy, land and occasionally they they will swap over but they'll swap over in it's very clever the way it's been done um they'll swap over in times that you you wouldn't really expect but it does make a lot of sense the colors of blue and yellow stand for reality so whenever you see um him wearing blue or midge his partner that could be wearing yellow this is kind of the real world stuff and um and all yeah poor old midge she's great um but yeah, I, I'm not going to do it justice by talking about it. It's one of these things well, you kind of need to th- see examples of color yeah, being a visual I think, I think, thing. Yeah, yeah, visual language. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think there's that re- like uh, there's that wonderful, wonderful shot when uh, the the husband sort of tells um, um, Scotty, "We're going to be at Ernie's restaurant," which plays a bit of a part in this um, movie. Is it Ernie's? Ernie's, Ernie's. yeah, um, real restaurant. So you can see you can see my wife. Um, and it's this beautiful panning shot across this red flocked wallpapered, you know, restaurant. It's like crystal and chandeliers. Crystal. And it's very opulent, you know, white, white, uh, white, who was it? Not white collar. Um, just a fancy restaurant. And it's this panning shot and everyone else is dressed in very dull greys and monochromatic. Blacks. Yeah. And then it cuts and it's just centers on Kim Novak back turned in this green, Velvet dress or green? No, green silk. I think it's a silk like, or yeah. satin. It's really silk. it's um, like silky. It pops, but it yeah. pops and it's got this. You know, everything else is uh, is dark and monotone, and it just hits on this, and it's just amazing. Like it's mm. just this wonderful shot, and it's just so. Then she gets up and walks through the restaurant, mm. and he sees her profile shot of her against a red background, which yep. is his sort of obsession, um, love, lust kind of color and that the the red in the background almost becomes inflated it sort of it does it they lights turn it up. up they turn it right up and mm. it becomes really saturated and really red so he's just got this it's like a blood pumping through his veins like this yeah. lust well the, and, and you guys are you know totally right about the the lighting the lighting man had uh, the lighting man was working a, a busy busy old <laughs> job um there's a there's a scene where midge so midge is um the uh, you know they were um, well apparently they went to uni together. This, this, Midge is twenty I was so years younger angry than on um, Midge's on yeah. but what Barbara Belgetti's behalf yeah. that she was apparently at college at the same time as Jimmy Stewart. Like yeah. what? A Unless joke. Jimmy Stewart this was like a you know a creepy old beautiful. dude hanging around. Well, at, at, at a, could have been like Van Wilder. In this yeah. character, <laughs> he just never. He was Daddy to keep paying for his. He was, he was driving around. Daddy, Jimmy just Stewart's one more year. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's driving around uni in a golf. Cut, like, hey girls, <laughs> come back home. I'm come a party on. back at my house. 
sir. <laughs> you can come and you can come. Um, but, uh, oh dear. Um, I, I did say that there was going to be a very terrible Jimmy Stewart impression mm-hmm. going on, and I think I'm proving that quite well. Yeah, yeah Mitch is Mitch. kind of his money penny. Really? Yeah, unfortunately. Sadly. Um, but, um, uh, Midge, great name. It's a great name. I know, but it says um, it all. I, my but, first, because I'd forgotten about the character of Midge, and my first note was anyone named Midge is not going to get laid. And that proved to be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Completely can correct. Can paint, though. Can paint. Can paint. Yeah. Um, but um, they, they, uh, because Scotty's trying to work out who this character or this person that um, Kim Novak's Madeline is obsessed with. And so they go to a historian's bookshop. And as the historian is telling this story, the lights start mm. going down and down mm. and down as the story gets more, uh, you know, um, morose and mm. sad. And then they walk outside and um, and then the, the light comes back up and you just think, oh, it's probably just clouded over, you know, and then the clouds have passed. And I was just like, oh, that's really sort of – because you, you – it's really subtle how it just gets darker and darker and then it just and then you notice it because the light just pops straight back up um but yeah just things like that i mean it's it's like a lot of hitchcock you know subtle as a sledgehammer but um but it it it's effective yeah but also i guess he was at the towards the end of his career really it was towards the end of his career but at the start of that sort of new wave of american cinema where uh, directors were uh, given the chance to Tell stories in different ways, not your standard, um, your beats of the golden age where it's like, this is the plot and we tie it all up with a bow at the end and mm. this is how you shoot it. Director is just part of the crew here. Yep. You kind of, um, whereas this was about a director putting more, uh, experimental ideas into, into filmmaking as well. Yeah. And it was at the start of that. And I th- kind of, that was kind of why it didn't do too well at the box office because yeah, the audiences didn't really was, know how to take it. They were bamboozled by it. They, they were. This was and a financial was, and critical flop. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really did not do well. But again, on second watch, you're like, oh, I didn't, yeah. that's what he's trying to do there. Yeah. But I mean, when you're at the box office, that isn't, that doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. yep. you just need to be wowed. And it yeah. didn't wow on first until you, until you sort of look into it. Um, but yeah, I, again, back to that thing. I, when I was watching, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. It's great. It's cool. But I mean, I really appreciated the, um, uh, you said before all Sol Bass's work on there. This is the first film to feature computer mm-hmm. graphics. Where, where, um, where are those computer graphics? Spirographs at the start. The spirographs oh, right at the right. start. Yep, yep, yep. So you did the titles yes, there so and then, oh, to the nightmare sequence. Yeah. yeah incredible. It's just phenomenal. That is so cool. And the use of... Um, pull focus. No, 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 not even the pull focus shots. We're getting into that. But the um, the way he's almost green screened out and then it's getting into, there's a graveyard behind him and then it's black and then it's a graveyard and then the colours, the, the gels going over the top yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, the use of gels in this is... Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's what are really, gels? really cool. Colour gels. It's like, yeah, um, like translucent... Ah, um, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. When the colour change yeah, sort of yeah. stuff happens, yeah. Yeah. That's really Which um, is why he wanted to film at the Empire Hotel, which was a real hotel, because they had this signature had green, green uh, sign out the front so it could be coming in through the window to bathe Kim Novak in and that. And the ghostly um, light. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when she comes out of the bathroom. Um, it's also got one of those classic uh, Hitchcock sort of um, composite shots. Uh, I think it's I think that's what you would call it, with with the matte painting uh, where 
uh, it's just after the body's been thrown, well, yeah. the body's been thrown out of the bell tower and um, Scotty is escaping and it's this angled mm. shot of the entire oh, bell yeah. tower and you can see Incredible. the movement of the, the, nun the, the nuns the priest, and the priests trying yeah. to go and check the body out and he is running away and it's um, there's a there's a shot in North by North, well, there's a few shots in North by Northwest where they you do a similar thing where it's just a tiny bit of the film and then there's this huge matte painting over it and it looks so good and you just, and, and that, yeah, again, it's like, uh, saying nothing new here, but the technical mastery in this film is yeah, just it's outstanding. A- again, towards the end of his career, he's like, I'm I'm done with making films, you know, shooting it, telling a story, shooting it, putting... He's like, he's just, he's trying on some different shoes here. He's trying yeah. on some different stuff. He's getting experimental, which is really exciting. Like, it's always a bit um, uh, sort of dangerous, you know, as a film review show to talk about a Hitchcock film because they've been trawled over, you know, um, uh, multiple times. But the fact that um, the Jimmy Stewart character in his sort of trying to mould the Kim Novak character at the end into the thing that he wants, it's very, you know, it seems very clear that this is just because that's what Hitchcock did. You yes. know, like Hitchcock is yeah. is imprinting himself on yeah. this Jimmy Stewart character. Yeah. And so you see like because Kim, uh, the, the Kim Novak character, you know, he, he runs into her a, a year later and she's, you know, very differently made up mm. and, and he is obsessively turning her into literally a character that he fell in love with. Um, and, and so him trying to, yeah, just, and, and obsessively turn it into a blonde as well, you know, and everyone sort of Hitchcock's blondes and things like that. Um, it seems very self-referential, self-knowing, like, so, you know, like, well, yeah, one of his biographers, uh, Donald's, but well, biographer slash critic, I guess, um, was, uh, you know, when writing on Vertigo was saying, you know, this is like the most personal Hitchcock film mm. um, in that it really uh, shows that attraction repulsion that he has mm-hmm. for women, um, his desire to have this like Pygmalion type relationship where he takes this, um, you know, young actress, makes her over, gives her the clothes, gives her the hair, gives her the look that he wants her to have. But ultimately he's still kind of repulsed by the idea of actual mm. sex and, mm. and actually what that obsessive, um, superficial attraction could mean ultimately in, in you know. In well, that's when when she in, says, if in, I do this, will you love will me? Will you love me? Yeah, yeah. In, in Hitchcock's own words in an interview, he said, he, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, refused to sleep with the reincarnation of Judy Barton until she was the mirror image of her predecessor. Mm. When she arrived back at the apartment with her hair dyed blonde but down, it was the equivalent of stripping naked but leaving her knickers on, which he said. Uh, Yeah, I know. He'd go, ugh. Uh, When she enters the bathroom and comes out with hair up, it was the equivalent of her coming out completely naked. Scotty then stands up from his chair, a metaphor for erection. Imagine what a what a so, yeah yeah. Oh, oh look at you now! You're all <laughs> naked. Oh, <laughs> oh Jamie got a stuffer. Yeah. <laughs> I know I mentioned this before, but working in in hairdressing, uh, Jimmy Stewart's line to um, Kim Novak when he wants to turn it, when he reveals that after all of this makeover of the clothes that he wants her to wear, how he wants her to do her makeup, he also wants her to dye her hair blonde as well. Wouldn't you like me 
just me the way I am? When we first started out, it was so good. We, we had fun. And, and then you started in on the clothes. Well, I'll wear the darn clothes if you want me to, if, if you'll just, just like me. can't matter to you. Um, and he says, it couldn't matter to you? Yeah. Like, that absolutely, like, that line is, like, just ripped through me. It's awful. But on the same token, by the same token, I really want to tell clients who are unhappy with their hair, it couldn't matter to you. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's just hair. Who cares, right? Yeah. But it is. I mean, it's really that the scene where he's obsessively yeah, sculpting her into the image that he wants, the image that he's attracted to, that he's quote-unquote in love with despite, you know, the mm. very minimal, you know, contact that they had. It was purely him, you know, watching her from a distance yeah, um, and creating this idea in his mind of what she actually is like as a person and then falling in love with this idea. Mm. Um, it's so disturbing. It's like yeah. it's wild how how completely fucked up it is and how, you know, totally out of control he seems. And, and that this is a film from the 50s. It just seemed so raw to me. This man is breaking down again. Mm. He's, you know, totally, obviously totally fragile. He's already been in a sanitarium. You know, he's had all this um, trauma in his life to this point that we've seen on the screen. And this final obsessive battle that is waging against her and her humanity till she's completely broken down and remade as this idea in his that lives only in his head. It doesn't exist in the no, world. No. But do you so you don't think Jimmy Stewart is effective at doing No, I do that? think I do think he is. And See, that's, that's probably where think... the age gap thing really works. Yeah. Um it's in that second part of the movie. When we're supposed to believe that they're attracted to each other and there's this frisson between them that doesn't work for me, but at the point that he is controlling everything about her um, and she's just, you know, filled with guilt, filled with um, apparently love and attraction for him and is just prepared to go along with whatever yeah. he says in order to gain his favour and yeah. his appreciation of her. No, that's not it. Nothing like it. But you said grey, sir. Now, look, I just want an ordinary, simple grey suit. But I, I like that one, Scotty. No, no, it's not right. Gentleman seems to know what he wants. All right, we'll find it. Scotty, what are you doing? I'm trying to buy your suit. But, but I love the second one she wore. And this one, it's, it's beautiful. No, no, they're none of them right. You're looking for the suit that she wore for me. You want me to be dressed like her. Judy, I just want you to look nice. I know the kind of a suit that'll look well on you. No, I won't do it. Judy, it can't make that much difference to you. I just want to see what you No, I don't want any clothes. I don't want anything. I want to get out of here. Judy, do this for me. Totally. I bought that he was really into her, but I didn't buy that she was into him at all. But that's why I think the, like, the guilt she feels about having sent him over the edge um, kind of works well here to sort of explain her motivation a bit more. Like, she wants to make it up to him. She can see she's destroyed his life, broken his heart. Yeah. Um, He's completely cracked up because of the, the... scenario he was put through with Gavin Elster and and the the quote-unquote suicide that he witnessed and couldn't stop and the guilt he feels 
she has realizes she's broken this been contrib- a contributor in this plot and broken a human being and she wants to make it up to him and I think she feels like if I can just um, be what he wants then I can help him and and things will be better and I won't have to feel like this mm. more so than boy I really love this old shriveled man who, <laughs> who just turned up and inveigled himself yeah, into just, my life again yeah. you yeah. know um, and uh, yeah and I guess because you said Seb that Hitchcock changed the was it the final scene or yeah he did so the the novel that it was it was based on ended with uh, Jimmy Stewart's character finding out what went on and then strangling her right Ooh, okay. basically which is <laughs> which is pretty heavy but I kind of uh, honestly that gels more with the story and probably to me. with Hitchcock too in a lot of yeah. ways I don't I, I I really found that final oh the, the, the way final, it just like bang shot. and we're done but, but like you fell a long way there's like a couple of meters there did she throw herself out the window because of her See, did she throw herself out the window because of guilt I but then she was I, because she saw this the nun the yeah but what did she think that was was, well, was it here's the, the thing I think or? I assumed it was suicide as well but I actually think we're supposed to think she's been startled by the nun and fallen yes, in what I've, the reading what I've I done think. subsequently yeah. but when when I watched it I just assumed it was a suicide and the, the part of the motivation for the suicide is the guilt and whatever yeah. but also the fact that her entire identity has been completely broken by this man now she's kind of like this absolute nothing she doesn't really exist anymore her humanity has been taken away Way. She has nothing and then, left. And then he says. And then he rejects her. Yeah. And that's it. What has she got? She doesn't have her own self. She doesn't have this new fake double self. She doesn't have, um, you know, she's commit. She's been an accessory to murder. What is she going to live for at this yeah. point? I yeah. yeah, I thought it was obviously a suicide, but then I think maybe because it was the 50s, they're a bit uncomfortable mm. about bit making it super obvious. Yeah, because I think this is like it's very this sort of very spectral thing that comes, you know, from the shadows. Which mm. was terrifying yeah. when yeah. it first comes out. It's um, great but I was yeah. wondering if it was maybe she thought it was the husband or something, yeah, you know, the, like who, the, who had, had been trailing them to, yeah. you know, to make sure that she wasn't, um, Giving him up. you know. But, um, but, yeah, it's sort of. That, I reckon they'll. I reckon they'll board up that that window after this. Yeah, I reckon. after that. Yeah. I felt so sorry for those <laughs> nuns, <laughs> just trying to quietly run a replica Spanish mission, yeah. and these people keep throwing themselves out of the the friggin' bell tower. <laughs> Come on, guys! Not again! <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Where are these blonde girls coming from? <laughs> We really need Your to Spanish lock this accents are way worse than your Jimmy Stewart's, by the way. I was, I was more doing a, um, a Mr. Hart, what a mess. Oh, no. <laughs> That's uh, a very uh, Australia-specific reference. Uh, you know, we're trying to build our international... Apparently we have a fair few listeners in Sri Lanka. Really? Which I think maybe is... Um, is that a fact? Shout out to Sri Lanka. Shout out to Sri Lanka. That's a fact. <laughs> is that a fact? That a fact. Is that a fact? Is that a fact? Is that a fact? Yeah, that's a fact. Oh, I stepped on your bits. Sorry. Not even. <laughs> okay, throw some facts at us, Seabass. Oh, shit. All right, here we go. Uh, this little game called Is That a Fact, where I give you three facts. One of them isn't real. Two of them are real. You know how it goes. You know how to play it. But do you have what it takes? Or will you fall from the tower? And splat on the tiles. They're gonna to have to replace those tiles. Two bodies have hit it now. Yeah. I'm just imagining. Can Good I get Spanish in the ground? tiles, though. You know, they are well made. Yeah. You're ruining the terraza. 
in the world? I don't know that? what that was. <laughs> okay. Fact number one. The film went through several title options, including Possession of a Woman. Fact number two. Hitchcock was the first person to bring sound to British movies. Fact number three. Hitchcock was deathly afraid of eggs. Hmm. I gave you some more Hitchcock stuff because you guys have clearly been doing your research. Okay. Hitchcock did this have a weird cool. relationship with food, so okay. I wouldn't see it outside the bounds of possibility to be freaked out by I things. might say eggs. I'm going to say... Titles. No, I'm going to say C. I'm going to say C. I'm going to say A because it's the most banal. <laughs> Well, this is, I'm getting pretty sick of you winning this whole thing all the time, Alex, because you definitely, I just made that up. I thought, this sounds so, like, Possession of a Woman. Yeah. It was never called that. I made that up, but it sounded like it could be a title It for definitely it, right? sounded like it could be a title, but it didn't sound like the kind of fact. You like to find a more interesting fact. Than I know. That wasn't interesting. Fuck. I'm going to find, okay. Sorry. I've but, got um, your number now. Yeah. Definitely uh, afraid of eggs, hey? He was not a fan of eggs at all. Omelets were definitely not his favourite breakfast food. Mm -hmm. I'm frightened of eggs. Worse than frightened, they revolt me. Mm. That white round thing without any holes. Have you ever seen anything more revolting than an egg yolk breaking and spilling its yellow liquid? Blood is jolly and red, but egg yolk is yellow and revolting. I've never tasted it. Wow. Never tasted it? No. You really hate eggs, Hitch. Oh, I really do. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. I think the smell of a hard-boiled egg is the most horrible thing in the world. How people can eat them. I, I knew uh, a very big man. He was a producer, theatre producer. And uh, we used to have lunch together, and the hors d'oeuvre trolley would go by. And without the trolley stopping, he'd stretch a hand out, pick up a hard-boiled egg, and pop it into his mouth. Oh, really? It was most revolting. <laughs> Had he popped a sardine or something, it would have been different with an egg, you know. <laughs> but you don't mind eggs in the souffle or something like that? No, as long as they're disguised. You know? <laughs> so there you go. He certainly had a lot of weird ideas. He did it. have, yeah, bye. he got so. shit done. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He and he got shit done, he brought sound to he British sound, film. He brought sound to British film. Yeah. So, um... So he bought sound to British film. The 1929 movie Blackmail, about a murder investigation headed up by uh, the murderer's fiance, was Hitchcock's first hit film and also the first talkie film released in Britain. No way. The first full-length talkie, The Jazz Singer, was released in the US in 1927. So this was two years yeah. later. Wow. Um, in Britain. That's wild. Yeah. That's, really kind of, that's a pretty cool claim to fame. That's yeah. a great claim to the fame. The first talkie. Released in Britain. Have you seen much of Hitchcock's, like the the, the pre-American stuff. stuff? No. There's no. some really good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, uh, so, guys, have we got, um, you know, notes, thoughts, uh, just general roundups? I um, I did love that um, uh, Midge, who is a uh, an artist by night, but a clothing, uh, yeah, fashion designer. Um, but, um, that looked like, so she, uh, um, has a prototype for a bustier, a bra, and it looks like, like a torture device. Um, <laughs> it, it does. 
Well, that that, that whole thing was a, a nod to Howard Hughes because Howard Hughes um, had an engineer invent a new type of underwear bra for Jane Russell underwear, for a film. Yeah, to um, to uh, put the assets forward. Was it was it based on the cantilever bridge? Is this bra? Was, <laughs> it, it probably was yeah. if it was Howard Hughes, but I mean, I think that was just a little just a little little poke at him. I right. I was so perplexed by that because that happens quite early in the film, and then and they really thought focus about on it later. Yeah, you know, it's a very it's a long uh, interplay between um, Jimmy Stewart and I, I think they're trying Barbara to just Bel-Gettys. build in some humour from like that sort of uh, caddish boyish sort of Jimmy Stewart kind of yeah, humour. And it I just think it was meant to be like land. They're talking no. about a. Like it kind of describes their relationship though, because they're talking about something that could be really sexual, except that the way they're talking about it is so asexual, and they're talking about uh, engineering of bridges and that kind of mm. thing. Like it, they're literally looking at a bra and talking about engineering. Well, I think even around rather than sex. Yeah, even around this time, there was still the code in place um, where all actresses on screen had to wear bras um, because that was just that was just the way the world worked then, otherwise it was far too sexy. But um, Kim, also no- Kim Novak of... didn't, when she was Jane. Um, or no, she that, certainly that did not. She I, was not a, wearing a bra, and uh, that was quite the, controversial. Uh, oh, you mean Judy? Judy. Judy, Judy. under, oh, yeah. the, um, under her, uh, her jumper. Yes, mm. the, yeah. it was very pointy. Um, yes, yes, that... Which which was quite controversial for the time. Interesting. Well, one other code um, aspect was uh, when she when he when Jimmy Stewart saves her after she jumps into the um, the bay after the um, oh. while she's still pretending mm. to be Madeline. Um, so she wakes up in his bed and he's completely undressed her and removed all her underwear and clothing and hung them up and put her in his bed naked. Yeah. And apparently. Um, the way that they got around that was she was supposed to act completely unruffled by the whole experience and if she'd sort of acknowledged the fact of what had happened, then that would have contravened what the studio wanted to have. There is some acknowledgement there though, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, but like... she's not like really upset about it or well, angry what, about what, it. What I which is imagine a normal, yeah. normal person would be like, what the, what the fuck? fuck? Why Where would you take I? my clothes off? Where am I? Why I'm in am stranger's I naked? bed. Yeah. yeah. A normal person and, would have told him to why is Mr. go fuck and, himself. Yeah. And why, and why, why is it, it's like, why did Mr. Rogers basically, uh, you know, undress me? Because he's mm. like literally wearing like yeah. the oldest man costume. He's the oldest man the, yeah. costume, but he has a copy of Swank magazine prominently and really? on his table. All which, throughout this, what the he hell? is wearing red all throughout, all throughout, up until this point. When he fishes her out of the drink and he undresses her, puts her in his bed, he comes into the room, he's wearing a green sweater mm. and he hands her a red dressing gown. Yes. Mm. Their colours switch. Okay. So you look into the color theory stuff and then watch it. It it is very interesting, and mad respect to Hitchcock for looking for just being on top of all this stuff. This is the sort of thing that you do not pick up on first watch. Yeah. No, you do not. But no. yeah, it's yeah film study. Um, any other any other points, gang? I think they may. I know that doubles are like a feature of a lot of Hitchcock films, but mm. I think it's possibly a maybe two leaned on here like oh yeah yeah so there's the two Two green cars and two green cars you know people are always walking past mirrors and you get the the twin effect there there's like a lot of visual doubles as well as like in into in in terms of the plot a lot of doubles and yeah it just seems a bit like okay all right hitchcock all right all right all right all right we get it 
So mm. as a, I guess, as a, you know, Seb, this was your first and potentially second viewing of said yeah. film. Like, is it, um, I guess, in your, yeah, in your no. general thoughts? Like, what's... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not rushing out to, to put it into the regular, the regular watch, but having recently read up about it um, and, and, and looked into it a little further, I definitely want to watch it again just to catch all those things. It's something that, that I feel like you can, it's a, it's a film for filmmakers mm. and film buffs and film students. Yep. Mm. Um, but it's not the kind of thing you'd, you'd put on on a, a Saturday night with a bunch of people around and, and enjoy. It's slow paced. Yeah. It's like, but it's, it's kind not of, your North by Northwest. No, 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 no. You know, or um, a lot of, or Psycho or any of those. Yeah. Like, um, but it's it's enjoyable for for different reasons. You, it's all it's like you, you're trying to find you're trying to put all the subliminal pieces together, yeah. Um, rather than just going along with the flow of the film and the the plot, because not there isn't a whole lot of plot. And there's not a lot of flow. Yeah, no, it's sort of, no, it's very it's yeah, a slow it's flow. Very slow. It's slow. <laughs> it's almost worth. This is one rare case where it's worth. Um, oh, maybe we'll just throw a couple of YouTube links in the in the notes. Watch if you want to watch the film. Watch a couple of YouTubes and then watch the film. It's yeah. not going to give any anything. Or if you listen to this podcast, you should probably yeah, should, you should pull the rug out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But the the twists, the Hitchcock twists, aren't big Hitchcock twists in this one anyway. No. I feel like they're it's, they're, they're, it's yeah. played, it's well played, it's well trodden ground now because of you know a lot of other directors trying to yeah. emulate Hitchcock style, but um, still worth watching. And I definitely definitely give it a. A whirl, if you will. I that was agree. a spiral joke, you know. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, I definitely found a couple of other juicy tidbits in there that um, I have no idea how I would get these into into any fact telling <laughs> bits and pieces. But obviously, Alfred Hitchcock has uh, a little cameo in each one of his films. Uh, that's his thing. Mm. That's what he loves to do. And he had a little cameo in this where he just walks past screen. Um, it was actually on. Paramount Studios lot, but it was meant to be outside the florist, maybe or somewhere like that. But he walks past what holding what looks like a an instrument case, but there's no instrument that is the shape of this case. And it turns out it was the case for a very high end, high quality costume mask for the uh, for the Doctor of the Plague, um, which is you know like a Venetian plague yeah. doctor yeah. mask with the big pointy nose, and it's like. It's a very specific thing. It's like perfect for him to be holding yeah. as he's walking past a Doctor of the Plague mask, um, which I thought that was quite cool. Just those little things that he throws in there. There's going to be people, you know, 40 years down the line are going to be talking about like, you see what he was holding, his little cameo there? It's like a Plague Doctor's mask yeah. in a case. Anyway, I just kind of love that. Um, also the fact that this film went missing for... 30 years? Did you hear about that? Well, no. he took it out of circulation because yeah. he was so crushed by how yeah. the reception. But, yeah. but five. So he took um, he took out, um, uh, I've got them all written down here somewhere, but he took out five of his most well-known films um, and left them as part of his legacy to his daughter. So they've been known as the, as the infamous five lost Hitchcocks um, and were re-released in theatres around 1984. Uh, after around 30 years absence. So The Man Who Knew Too Much, Rear Window, Rope, and The Trouble with Harry, and Vertigo. So but he took, they, but hey, yeah. all the Jimmy, like, Stewart's. Jimmy Stewart's. Yeah. yeah. One, and he kind of blamed the failure of Vertigo on Jimmy Stewart for misca- well for miscasting him, his fault, but blamed it on Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was lined up to do um, North by Northwest, and, he, uh. and he, he, he just didn't call him. 
He basically, right. yeah, it was a bit right, cheeky. Yeah. He didn't have the balls to say, no, I don't want you to be in this film. He just didn't call him. And then Jimmy Stewart took another film. And then he called Cary Grant, got yeah. Cary Grant in to do it. Which is and the worst thing in the world. But apparently he <laughs> wanted Cary Grant and Grace Kelly for yeah, Vertigo, right. which you can, yeah, totally, it would be so much more, have so much more of an erotic charge if yeah. with those two, I think. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. So I wonder if, if that's why, like he had a bit of a falling out with Jimmy Stewart and then he there's took a, them out of circulation. There's a great, yeah. um, there's a couple of great YouTubes we'll put in the show notes of Jimmy Stewart. Um, one of them is, uh, I think it's when Hitchcock is being inducted into some hall of fame. I can't remember which one it is, but Jimmy Stewart does the little four minute intro. Thank you. That, that's very kind of you, ladies and gentlemen, I, especially, uh, especially since my friend Alfred Hitchcock is supposed to have said once that actors are cattle. Now, now, now Hitch, Hitch denies that. What, what he says, he said, uh, is that actors should be treated like cattle. Uh, <laughs> amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Jimmy just gets up there and yeah, just throws some... Roasting. Yeah, and it's in, <laughs> awesome. Um, but there's also a lovely one of um, when he's quite... It would have been in the 80s and he's on the Johnny Carson show. And he's... Um, because he wrote a lot of poetry um, in, you know, his later years. And um, he uh, he had a dog named Bo who passed away and he wrote he wrote this poem. It's called A Dog, you know, um, A Dog Named Bo and he reads it out on the, the show and he's like, you can hear his voice cracking and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, it's one of the reasons yeah. I love Jimmy Stewart. But he's just so, I think, I, I get the sense and I could be completely wrong that he was, you know, um, I mean, he was in, you know, at the top of Hollywood for 40 years, you know, yeah. like in so many movies and stuff, but he seemed like a, a pretty decent human being, you know, like yeah. he wasn't, um, but I, I could be completely wrong, you know, <laughs> might let's get give, letters. Let's give him the, the benefit, benefit of the, of the doubt, doubt yeah. Um, but he just seemed like um, what you what I've seen of him off screen um, seems fairly genuine. He'd, he'd wake up at night and he would have this fear of the dark, of life, of lots of things. And he'd be glad to have me near. And now he's dead. And there are nights when I think I feel him climb upon her bed and lie between us and I pat his head. And there are nights when I, when I think I feel that stare and I reach out my hand to stroke his hair, and he's not there. Oh, how I wish that wasn't so. I'll always love a dog named Bo. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, we'll put the put the, the links to those in the show notes. Yeah, I like to see that. Um, a, like an interesting contrast to how. Kim Novak's character is treated in this film in in the yeah Pygmalion style makeover mm. um, is that she as an actor really tried to resist that as much as possible because she was a um, with Columbia so Harry Conn was um, trying to you know do that you know make her over change her hair yeah. change her name because they thought Novak was too ethnic. <laughs> it's such a perfect name. I know it's wonderful, like but Novak. you can imagine. Yeah, you can imagine. Yeah, it's not Jones or yeah. Smith. <laughs> yeah, um, 
So, yeah, like she really tried to resist those kinds of overtures and continued on doing that and probably that's why she didn't have like a huge, huge career, I guess, as well. It's funny you say Jones or Smith because the first draft of Indiana Jones was called Indiana Smith and Steven Spielberg went, no, nah, mm. I don't want to call it Indiana Smith, that's dumb, let's but, call it Indiana Jones. I'm like, well, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Peaches, you know, apples. Um, the <laughs> um, And the other thing we haven't talked about is the, the infamous um, – Vertigo zoom mm-hmm. or the the Hitchcock pull focus, zoom, Dolly focus, zoom, which was um, crafted by a cameraman uh, while while shooting this, especially for this film, obviously, because mm-hmm. to create the sense of vertigo, which has then been uh, it's been used in so many. I mean, all of all of Hitchcock's uh, children, uh, Scorsese's mm-hmm. and De Palma's and all these people. Well, yeah, in the Shining as well. I the think Shining, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yep, exactly. But this was used in. Um, uh, like so, um, they tried to shoot it like on a set, you know, like mm-hmm. using like the the because it's it's mainly used for the the the, the steps Look to, down the, the, to the bell the, yeah. the bell tower. Um, as I said, ice forward may be fine. Um, and uh, um, that is how phobias work. Uh, Just avert your eyes and um, just don't look. <laughs> um, but uh, it it wasn't working as effectively, so they built like that's a scale model. Yeah. Um, but it looks brilliant. Looks amazing. It's, looks great. Yeah. 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 Laid it on its side. And can you just and and I guess it's you know we are it's it's one of the the things that it's lovely to think about in hindsight, and we sort of, sort of uh, marvel at the the technical um, abilities of a film from. 1958 you know it's it's 60 something years old it's incredible um but uh that we're sort of um this is something that's still used you know like that sort of technique is still effective still used and it is it's slowly um, turning into the the wilhelm scream but it's like yeah it's it is used a lot um i still enjoy it but it's still every time i see it i think of hitchcock yeah that's a nice little legacy to yeah, for him to that's kind of what a lot of people would hang their hat on for Hitchcock. He did that. And he mm-hmm. did like a shower scene in Psycho. Yeah. That's kind of what you when you think of it. Which quickly just uh, segueing back to mm-hmm. Saul Bass. Um, technically, Saul Bass directed that shot in Psycho mm. um, because he did the st- all the storyboards on Psycho, and it is frame for frame. Hitchcock claimed it, but um, it's frame for frame exactly as he storyboarded. Really. Um, which is which is pretty cool. Soul yeah. Bass, what a guy. Yeah. Loves an eye. Loves an eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a wrap on Vertigo. Um, as always, thank you to Jeremy Wartsman for the uh, recording studio. You've got to listen to their podcast. It's called Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. Uh, you know, you can follow us on the Instagrams. Maybe throw a little review in there on the iTunes and all of that sort of stuff. That's good. We haven't. We've had a few of those. You know, oh, yeah? People are just rando yeah. throwing throwing things in there, getting a few stars here and there. But you know, yeah, not even not related to any of us. Yeah, some ones and some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> it's great. It's like some negatives. Yeah, yeah. It's like people telling us to stop, stop. Yeah, it's I'm like, like yeah. why do you keep it's, persisting? It's ironic, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like why do you keep persisting with this? Yeah. No one listens. And Can you please like, stop hey. recording episodes? Yeah. I'm like, I get it. That's a funny joke. Let's <laughs> yeah, keep. Yeah. Exactly. We're gonna we're gonna do weekly now because you yeah like if you if you yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just dropped something. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, I've been Mike Cairns. Over there is Seb Seabass Godfrey. Don't know about you guys, but I think I'm going to vertigo to the pub. <laughs> and, 
Alex Lamb Chop Heath. I'm dizzy from excitement over here. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I've realised with the Australian accent, you need to be really careful about how you say it. Vertigo. Vertigo sounds terrible and vertigo sounds too pompous. So you need to like hit it somewhere in between those two, which is impossible. (laughs) Vertigo. I can't do it. That sounded like fucking, what's his name? Um, Professor X. What's his name? Fuck, I've forgotten his name. (laughs) Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Yes. I was in vertigo. That's Sean Connery. That's Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> Who's fucking? This yeah. is just a moving target over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then I catch in the Nicholas Cage. <laughs> that's not, that's what? probably that's that's, probably, that's closest. That's closer to Jimmy Stewart. If I try and do a, a Nicholas Cage impression, oh, I, I actually I actually get trick. much closer. That's good. All right. So All just right. be thinking about Nick Cage as yeah. I always am. Um, <laughs> just nonstop. <laughs>